You're listening to The Living Word with Danny Hodges of Calvary Chapel Fellowship in St. Pete. Isaiah doesn't stop first and say, Lord, uh, uh, can you give me a little detail? Where are you sending me? Will I have to move away? Will I have to leave this country? Will I have to learn another language? Lord, will there be great sacrifice? Isaiah doesn't say any of that. Isaiah, in light of all God's done for him and, and the way God has forgiven him, and in light of God's holiness, Isaiah just says, here am I, send me. That's a holy life. Romans 12, 1, present your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and acceptable. Has God ever called you to something and it's frightened you because you didn't have all the answers? In today's message with Pastor Danny, you'll learn about Isaiah. The Lord had a calling on Isaiah's life, and the amazing thing about his faith is that he didn't question that calling. He didn't ask God where or what or when. He just said, here am I, Lord, send me. And the Lord was faithful. The next time God calls you to something, rather than question, maybe try trusting him. He's faithful in all seasons. Now here's Pastor Danny in the book of Acts chapter 28 as he continues his message, Lifestyle Worthy of the Kingdom of God. Here's a cool verse, and I hope you get this. Whatever you do, how small it may seem to you, but it doesn't seem small to God. You say, I'll never do what you do. If you're not called to do what I do, don't try it. Don't go there. But here's a great verse. Jesus said, whoever welcomes a prophet as a prophet will receive a prophet's reward. Wait a minute. You're not a prophet. You're not called to be a prophet, but you receive a prophet. As a prophet, you get the same reward as him. Isn't that cool? I think it's cool. I think it's cool, Lord. Whoever receives, uh, welcomes a righteous person will receive a righteous person's reward. And if anyone gives, listen to this, if anyone gives a cup of cold water, just a cup of cold water to one of these little ones who is my disciple, truly I tell you, that person will not lose their reward. That's the way God judges That's the way he evaluates. That's the way he rewards based on what he's called you to do. Not what he's called me to do. Bearing fruit in every good work. Growing in the knowledge of God. Won't spend nearly as much time on this one, but it's an important one. Growing in the knowledge of God. I've been a Christian a long time now. At least I've been a Christian much longer than I was not a Christian. Got saved when I was 19. And a lot of you know that. Been studying the Bible for a long time. I've learned a lot. I've learned a lot about God. But you know, the more you learn, the more you realize you don't know. Paul, the apostle, when he was closing out the letter of 2 Timothy, let me read you one statement that he makes. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 13. 
When you come, bring the cloak that I left with Carpus at Troas. It was cold where he was. And he forgot his cloak. And my scrolls, especially the parchments. Translate that into our day. The scrolls. That wasn't the Bible. The scrolls were his books. He said, when you come, bring the cloak and bring my books that I left. Especially the parchments. The parchments were scrolls from the Old Testament, the only Bible they had at the time. How practical is that? Paul the Apostle, aged saint when he writes that. He knew the Bible when he got saved. He was a Pharisee. He was a student of the Scriptures. He knew the Bible. But boy, did he see the Bible totally differently when he really got saved. But even after years of walking with the Lord, he's still reading books to learn and studying the Scriptures to grow in the knowledge of God. That's part of a lifestyle worthy of the kingdom. Colossians chapter 1, growing in the knowledge of God. Being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might so that you may have great endurance and patience. There's two ways to get strength. Two main ways. Now, now these aren't the only ways, but one is to exercise. You exercise physically, you'll get stronger physically. You exercise spiritually, you'll get stronger spiritually. But there's a second thing needed, not only in exercise physically, I need it, but also spiritually. You know what it is? <laughs> Encouragement. You know, it's easier to exercise if you've got a partner to exercise with and you've got a routine. And that way, the day you don't feel like doing it, they say, come on, man, come on, let's go do it. You know, and they encourage you. And even if you don't want to do it, you go do it. 1952, Florence Chadwick stepped into the waters of the Pacific Ocean off Catalina Island, off the coast of California. Determined to swim to the mainland of California. She'd already swam both ways of the English Channel, so this seemed like, man, you can do this. But the weather that day was foggy and it was chilly. She could hardly see the boats that were accompanying her on each side as she swam. But she still swam for 15 hours. But after 15 hours, she was exhausted. She begged someone in the boat right beside her, her mother. Please, Mom. Please, Mom. I... Just, I'm done. Take me into the boat. Get me out of here. And her mother tried to encourage her daughter. You're so close. You've gone so far. Just a little further. But instead, Florence Chadwick stopped swimming, and they were forced to pull her into the boat. Once she got into the boat and rested just a moment, she was told. The shore was a half mile away. The next day at a news conference, and I quote Florence Chadwick, she said, all I could see was the fog. I think if I could have seen the shore, I would have made it. Now, let me just be brutally honest. Now, I've said this before. I'm just going to say it again. There are some times I just don't want to do it anymore. Haven't you ever gotten to the point in your Christian life you just go, I just don't know. I just want to take the southwest to Maui and just sit on the island with the waterfall. Anybody just want to stop and quit and say, let's just cruise through the rest of the trip in a boat, not have to put forth any more effort. What God's saying to some of us, and this some of us have been down the road a long time, listen, you're so close. 
You've gone this far. Don't cruise the rest of the way. Give it your all. Humility, patience, forbearance, unity, willingness to suffer, growth, increasing love, perseverance, fruit bearing. All these things, as I read them in these scriptures, all these things are related to being counted worthy. A lifestyle worthy of the kingdom. How are you going to get there? And how are you going to stay there? Three essentials and I'm done. You want to live a life worthy of the kingdom? Three essentials. You find them in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. Three essentials. Verse 10, once again, the apostle Paul writes, You are witnesses and so is God of how holy, righteous, and blameless we were among you who believed. For you know that we dealt with each of you as a father deals with his own children, encouraging, comforting, and urging you to live lives worthy of God who calls you into his kingdom and glory. And I don't know if you caught it, but three things Paul mentions, and he says, he and his companions lived this out before the Christians at Thessalonica, the church there. You are witnesses, and so is God, of how holy, righteous, and blameless we were among you who believed. You want to live a life worthy of the kingdom? Those are the three essentials. A holy life. Sometimes when you talk about a holy life, people conjure up in their minds convents and monasteries, but it's nothing of the sort. It's very practical. Now, a holy life and a righteous life had some things connected to it, and yet Paul mentions these three individually. Holy, righteous, and blameless. What's a holy life? Being very technical. To be holy means I'm set apart for God's purposes. I'm set apart for God's purposes. Isaiah the prophet in chapter 6 of Isaiah sees the Lord high and lifted up on his throne and his train, the robe filled the temple and the cherubim were calling out, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. And when Isaiah sees the fresh vision of the Lord, maybe you know the story. He says, woe is me, judgment on me. I am ruined, I'm undone, for I am a man of unclean lips. And then God sends an angel and takes from the altar some coals and he touches Isaiah's lips and says, your sin is atoned for, you're forgiven. And after he's forgiven, representing for us salvation, Then he hears the voice of God. You know what the voice of God says? Who will go for us? Whom shall I send? And Isaiah, when he hears the voice of the Lord, he says, here am I, send me. You know what's fascinating about that story, true life story in the life of Isaiah? Isaiah doesn't stop first and say, Lord, uh, uh, can you give me a little detail? Where are you sending me? Will I have to move away? Will I have to leave this country? Will I have to learn another language? Lord, will there be great sacrifice? Isaiah doesn't say any of that. Isaiah, in light of all God's done for him and and the way God has forgiven him, and in light of God's holiness, Isaiah just says, here am I, send me. That's a holy life. Romans 12, 1, present your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and acceptable. If you've never done that, you'll never, ever live a life worthy of the kingdom and worthy of what God's called us to. You got to first of all say, God, here I am. It's not here I am, but I don't do windows. Here I am, Lord, as long as I can stay in America. As long as I don't have to move away from mom and dad or grandma and grandpa. You know how I ended up here? I'm not trying to toot my own horn. I'm just telling you, St. Petersburg, Pinellas Park, if God would have said, put a map of the world, here's the globe, pick a spot, I would not have picked this place. Come on. 
Help me. I would not have picked this place. Now, I've grown to love it. And I love the water. I said early on in my Christian life, as I walked down in the Baptist church on a Sunday night, and they, the invitation was, would you surrender your life to wherever God would call you and whatever he would call you to? And I went down and I said, God, wherever you call me, I'll go. And he knew. I didn't know at the time I was going to end up on Pinellas Park. One side of it is kind of scary. But listen, once you say, God, you know, I'm just going to trust you. And you know what? You can trust God. You know where you're going to be the happiest and the most fulfilled in life is right in the center of God's will. I don't care what point on the planet it is. You say, God, I'm yours. You make it clear. You show me. You lead me. I'll go. I'll do it. That's a holy life. Second is a righteous life. Paul says, you see, and your witnesses, and so is God, a holy and righteous we were. This is very easy to understand. Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 8. You were once darkness, but now you're light in the Lord. Live as children of light. For the fruit of light consists in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. And then he says this, and find out what pleases the Lord. See, that's a righteous life. God says, submit to every authority instituted among men. So you submit. That's a life. That's a righteous life. God says, pay your taxes. Don't cheat on them. You pay your taxes. That's a righteous life. God says, don't get involved in sexual immorality. And you stay pure and live your life pure. That's a righteous life. Righteousness. Finding out what pleases the Lord and then doing it. Children, obey your parents in everything. For this pleases the Lord. That's a righteous life. But then there's one more, he said. Not only a holy life. Not only a righteous life but a blameless life. And I got to tell you, I got some fresh insight on this one. I got some fresh insight in this one. It's helped me and it's challenged me. Did you know it's possible to live a holy life and a righteous life and not live a blameless life? And I'll give you an example. Prime, prime disciple. Paul the apostle referred to this guy. He said, I got nobody else like Timothy. Everybody else looks out for his own interest, but Timothy, he looks out for the interest of Jesus Christ. And yet Timothy, he was living a holy life, separated unto God. He was living a righteous life, but he had a point in life where he wasn't blameless. You say, what are you talking about? 2 Timothy chapter 1. Listen to the encouragement by Timothy's spiritual father, the apostle Paul. Verse 6, for this reason I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For the spirit God gave us does not make us timid but gives us power, love, self-discipline. So do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord or of me, his prisoner. Timothy, as committed as he was, had a point in his life where he was not giving it his all. He pulled back. Mark chapter 8, verse 38, Jesus said, if you're ashamed of me and my words in this generation, then the Son of Man will be ashamed of you. Timothy came to a point where he wasn't blameless. Holy, yes. Righteous, yes. Not blameless. Because he wasn't giving it his all. And because of opposition, he pulled back a bit. Here's what John says. Well, actually, I'm getting a little mixed up, but let me give it in order. A blameless life. Literally, the word means no cause for censure. What does censure mean? 
It means the expression of formal disapproval. John wrote in 1 John, Now, dear children, continue in him so that when he appears, we may be confident and unashamed before him at his coming. This is talking about believers, Christians. Tremendous benefits of living a lifestyle worthy of the kingdom. One, it confirms my citizenship in the kingdom. Don't have time to go to these verses, but these verses basically say, if you're living a lifestyle of sin, you won't inherit the kingdom of heaven. Not that you can't stumble, not that a Christian can't sin, but you live a lifestyle, you won't inherit the kingdom of heaven. A lifestyle worthy of the kingdom brings personal blessing from the Lord, and each one of these could be messages in themselves. Psalm 1, blessed is the one who does not walk and step with the wicked. Psalm 106, blessed are those who act justly, who always do what is right. Proverbs 8, blessed are those who keep my ways. Suffering and insult for the kingdom's sake and for Christ. If you're insulted because of the name of Christ, you're blessed. John says, It also really does wonderful things for your prayer life. You receive from him anything you ask because you keep his commands and do what pleases him. You have a powerful prayer life. And one last one. Please don't miss this one. I'm almost done. Living a lifestyle worthy of the kingdom relieves me of concern. Now, for me, it's not absolute total relief, and I'll tell you what I mean. I'm absolutely, totally relieved in terms of standing before God in regard to judgment and sin and damnation. God says every knee one day is going to bow before me. Every tongue will acknowledge God. So then each one of us will give an account of ourselves to God. And there's two different places to give account. One's called the great white throne judgment. Listen to me. You don't want to go there. You don't want to stand before this judgment. These are those who do not have their names written in the Lamb's book of life. These are those who've never repented and received Christ as Lord and Savior. You don't want to stand before this judgment because after this judgment, you will be eternally damned. Do not go there. And if that's you, give your life to Christ today. Every deed will come into judgment, including every hidden thing, whether good or evil. Nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. We're going to give an account. The second accounting is the judgment seat of Christ. And I've got to tell you, I'm not completely excited about this one. You say, why not? Because it's intimidating to me to think about it. That we are going to all, as Christians, one day stand before the judgment seat of Christ. It's the bema. It was used for the Roman magistrate platform where he sat to render decisions. But originally it was used of the platform during the Isthmian Games where they have athletic contests and then prizes were given to the athletes who won races and contests. That's why Paul writes in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 24, do you not know that in a race all the runners run but only one gets the prize? Run in such a way as to get the prize. Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last, but we do it to get a crown that will last forever. I'm looking forward to the Super Bowl. I'm not going to tell you who I'm rooting for. (laughs) But no matter who wins, as Shelton Quarles, former Super Bowl champion linebacker with the Bucks years ago, 
He said after their Super Bowl win, it's a fleeting glory. It doesn't last. Therefore, I do not run like someone running aimlessly. I don't fight like a boxer beating the air. No, I strike a blow to my body, make it my slave, so that after I preach to others, I myself would not be disqualified for the prize. Now, the criteria for the judgment seat. But say this with me before I get to that. Here you go. Ready? For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, so that each of us may receive what is due him for the things done while in the body, whether good or bad. That's the part I don't like, the criteria for the judgment. One is the building materials, and I'm going to put it as simply as I can put it, and this is the way I understand it, even though it could be expounded upon more deeply if you had a smarter pastor like Scott up here. But 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 12, if anyone builds on this foundation, Jesus Christ, using gold, silver, costly stones, wood, hay, or straw... Their work will be shown for what it is because the day will bring it to light. It'll be revealed with fire, and the fire will test the quality of each person's work. If what he has built survives, the builder will receive a reward. If it is burned, the builder will suffer loss, but yet will be saved. He's not lost. He's saved, even though only as one escaping through the flames. Three groupings, silver, gold, costly stones, Wood, hay, or straw. You know the big difference between both of those groupings? One's cheap, inexpensive, costs you little, and easy to come by. And the other group, you got to dig for. You got to sacrifice. And it's going to cost you. And there's the two, and the second is motive. And this is the one that really intimidates me. God help me. 1 Corinthians 4, verse 3, I care very little if I'm judged by you or by any human court. Indeed, I don't even judge myself. My conscience is clear, but that does not make me innocent. It's the Lord who judges me. Therefore, judge nothing before the appointed time. Wait until the Lord comes. He'll bring to light what is hidden in darkness and will expose the motives of the heart. At that time, each will receive their praise from God. If I'm doing it, working hard just to hear people say, great message, Pastor. The wrong motive. And sometimes we can't even see the truth of our own motives. How deceitful our hearts are. God, help us that our motives might be pure. Jonathan Edwards was a great Puritan preacher in the 1700s, and let me read you something that he said, and I quote, it becomes us to spend this life only as a journey toward heaven, to which we subordinate all other concerns of life. In his early 20s, Jonathan Edwards composed a set of personal life resolutions. You know what one of them was? I think it's so cool. Here it is. Resolve to endeavor to obtain for myself as much happiness in the other world as I possibly can. And the riches and the level of our enjoyment of what we call heaven is going to be directly dependent on how we lived our lives here. Could I exhort you, encourage you based on what the Lord said to us today? And I've been encouraged and challenged to make a fresh commitment to live a life 
worthy of the calling you receive, worthy of the kingdom. From the Apostle Paul's conversion until his death, it was his first priority to teach and tell people about the Kingdom of God. Is this on your radar as you go about your daily life? Pastor Danny has been teaching through a series called The Kingdom of God. Now, this may seem removed from the here and now, but Pastor Danny wants you to understand how thinking about God's Kingdom can affect your life right now. It also gives you a lot to look forward to in the life to come if you're a follower of Christ. Keep tuning in to this series about God's Kingdom and we hope you'll learn some great things that are revealed in God's Word. Would you be willing to pray for us here at The Living Word? As our ministry grows, we want to make sure that we're seeking Jesus first and foremost. We're always in need of His guidance. So please pray that we'd recognize His voice and direction. Thanks so much for praying. Do you live in or near St. Petersburg? If so, we have a special invitation for you. Pastor Danny and all of us here at Calvary Chapel Fellowship would love to have you join us for our weekend services. Find out more and get directions at ccfstpete.church. Or you can join us online if you can't make it in person. Again, that website is ccfstpete.church. Thanks for tuning in today. Join us again to hear more messages from this series right here on The Living Word.